0: Okay, so this is Chapter 9 of the Science of Unbreakable Things, October 27, Assignment 9, Investigative Research. Mr. Neely has decided to give us a break from cutting open small animals and watching boring videos to return to the scientific process. He reminded us to keep working on our long-term project. He also gave me a friendly reminder to find a question to investigate. Question. At what temperature does water boil? Answer. Two hundred twelve degrees Fahrenheit, one hundred degrees Celsius, according to Google. Hashtag done. And because I finished my homework early, I figured I might as well investigate my secret question—question question I couldn't find words for. Let myself into Dad's office. Um, he sat with the back—he sat with his back to me, hunched over in a bunch of his files on his desk. His office is bright with big floor-length windows and lamps, lots of lamps. He's all about brightness now that Mom has retreated her into the into the dark. Dad, I walked up behind him, feeling like a shadow. He started. He he startled a bit and turned around, blinking at me like his eyes were adjusting. "Hello, Natalie. What is it?" he said, all formal and weird, like he always gets when he's working. "I'm doing research for class," I said. He glanced down at my notebook and relaxed because he because research is where Dad's most comfortable. He's safe inside statistics and diagnosis and accountable next steps. I looked down at my notebook, got my pen ready to show him that it was strictly business and continued. What does it mean if someone only likes to be in the dark? I could tell he saw right through me because he tensed back up again. Natalie, he saw he said, drawing my name out, cautious. I pressed on, staring back at my notebook because I didn't really want to know the answers, but also I really did. Why would somebody stop caring about their family? I asked. Natalie, Dad said again. He nudged my notebook away so he could li- look me right in the eyes. Dad believes in eye contact. We should talk about your mother. We should talk about how you're feeling. I told him I didn't want to talk about my mother, how or my feelings. But I wanted to finish my science assignment. But Dad was looking at me with those therapist eyes, saying, "I want you to know, what's happening with your mother has nothing to do with you. That's the problem. I don't seem to affect her at all." and that has everything to do with me of course i couldn't tell him that so i said never mind and left his office he was conflicted i could tell but he didn't follow me i didn't know where to go then felt trapped between the dark of mom's room and the fake light of dad's office and without thinking i went to my bedroom grabbed my mom's book and walked right outside to mom's greenhouse my earliest memories are of being in the greenhouse with mom growing our little plant family following her rules watering and fertilizing each seed just right A few months earlier, the greenhouse had been beautiful, blooming with life color and real delicious light. It was less beautiful now. In the summer, when mom stopped working, caring, dad went into a frenzy over the flowers, brimming with energy I'd never seen in him, watering and weeding and watering some more. Dad spent hours in the greenhouse trying to save the plants my mother no longer loved. He loved them too hard, if you know what I mean, if you know plants at all. Some of them survive, but you're not supposed to water plants too much. They need space. Funny, huh? Mom and I used to spend all our time in here touching on and smelling the flowers, talking about life, and soaking up sunlight. But today I stood in the corner for the first time in six weeks, staring at our used-to-be plants, brown and crisp and dead all over. In the center of the greenhouse, one tall stem stood alone, brown like all the rest of the plants. The petals had long abandoned it, but it used to be blue, a brilliant magic kind of blue, a cobalt blue orchard, a plant with, uh, sorry, a plant with a brand new latin name family Orchid a.k for orchid, genius catalia for the botanist williams cattley species fortis for brave a miracle plant all on our own i sat down on the dirt floor beneath the row of dead plants so i could see them and held mom's book in my lap i didn't mean to read it i meant to turn around and go back inside but my hands opened the book almost without meaning to that excited nervous feeling came back as i smiled as I smelled this old book smell, and I turned to the cobalt blue orchard section and read Mom's words. In San Juan, New Mexico, 1991, a pipe at power plant burst. The town was contaminated with toxic amounts of metal that chemicals in the soil. But all the people were safe. The flowers were not. All the flowers died, every last one. Toxic amounts of cobalt and aluminum start, uh, saturated the earth, poisoning the plants. Nothing could grow and nothing did grow. Till two years later, seemingly out of nowhere, an orchard sprouted. A shock of blue in this vast expanse of empty dirt. Not too long after, another emerged. Soon enough, there were bright blue orchards blooming all over the field. Imagine it. Imagine driving past the field of dirt every day on your way to work, past all that nothingness. And and then one day, flowers. Beautiful blue flowers everywhere. First nothing, then everything. I read on past mom's chapter on anthropoconology and I can't pronounce these flower words, And anthocyanum pigments, and active in transport, passed her talk of hybrids and fungus and moss. Then The sun started slipping away, and the light in the greenhouse faded. Kept expecting Dad to come find me, to, to tell me to come inside for dinner, but he never came, and I kept reading. Perhaps you have been to Botaninus, understand the, si- the significance of these cobalt blue orchards, to know how delicate orchards are how they die without the perfect amount of sun and just the right amount of water. And you would have to understand the sheer impossibility of blue orchard in order to understand the miracle of these flowers, how this delicate orchard somehow sprouted when no other plant could, how it sucked those toxic chemicals straight out of the earth and turned them into beauty. But I like to think that even without... I like to think that even without knowing the 90 degree of how plants work, all you have to do is stand in the middle of that shocking blue field to know that this science is is most miraculous. It's most magical. Mom was the one who believed in the flower and all it could do. She told stories a million times how everyone was shocked and amazed by the color, how all the other botanists studied the blueness, but Mom said, "Wait, there's more." There was a magic in living through the chemical poison, and Mom was the first one to realize it. For those of you who haven't spent your whole life a botanist mother, orchards don't grow blue in nature. You can dye them blue, but they don't grow that way. And then disaster happened, and orchards started growing, sucking up the processed chemicals from us. And just like that, blue orchard. Ta-da! Magic. Science. Miracle. And while Mom and Miss Means have studied the cobalt Blue Orchard in their lab, Mom and I kept on kept our own orchard in the greenhouse. We nurtured it and cared for it and loved it. We kept it safe, and now it's dead. My mother, the one who once wrote about science and magic and miracles, let it die. I felt that whirring, sparkling feeling in my chest again. An idea was starting to click into place. Because even though our orchard was dead, there was still that vast, beautiful field of blue all the way in New Mexico, full of miracles and hope. Maybe Mom just needed to be reminded that. Maybe she'd forgotten.